people of Earth, we have come to upgrade your cosmic consciousness. DNA activation ready in three, two, one. Hi, welcome to Q&A on Breakthrough Leadership. I'm Lou Quinto. And I'm Craig Anders. Today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about something that makes the hair on everybody's back stand up, and that is how to not suffer death by meetings. Uh, one of those things in every organization that I got another meeting I got to go to. I, so, I think one of the first things I ever heard from you, Lou, was going on and on against meetings. So yeah. it is a topic near and dear to your heart. Yes, well, as a consultant, that's most of the, the time when I'm working with people is in meetings. Oh, so yeah. I think I may experience meetings more than the average person who <laughs> actually works at a location. So what we're going to do is talk about some basic things that in many instances I think, don't you people already know this? But unfortunately in real life we may know it, but we don't put it into practice. And that is written agendas, uh, meeting rules or guidelines that uh, we'll live by, and lastly, effective facilitation. So Craig, tell me about written agendas. I know that uh, people, we say we should have an agenda. You've been in the trenches. Why don't we see them more often on a daily basis? Yeah, I, I said that a lot. I don't know that I always did it. Uh, it was, it's a tough rule so to follow. You, you broke the rule yourself. I'm, I'm just as guilty as anybody. You know, Let's get a meeting on that, and then do you really put together the written agenda? But I can tell you my experience is when I did have a written agenda, things went a lot smoother. And I think written agendas are you know, just even basic, you know, blocking and tackling or why, why the heck are we meeting? Right. You know, staying focused on that meeting and, and, you know, being able to put things over kind of off the table that aren't part of that agenda, but that come up. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I would add as part of the agenda is who's coming, you know, sure. You know, are you part of this solution or are you getting invited because somebody said we should invite Lou? Yeah, you know that. Let's make sure that that agenda includes a thoughtful list of who's there. Right, and, and I don't think a lot of times we do that. Uh, think no. about who's going to be in the meeting. Uh, many times if we put together a meeting. Uh, you know, we type it out. Uh, you know, we're going to have a meeting, and we go to that who we're going to send out the recipients to, and we approach it almost like we're having a party. The more, the merrier. All right. And so, you know, studies have shown that those groups with seven people or fewer are more effective and more productive than those with. More than seven. Nice. So seven is your point of marginal diminishing returns. Yeah. And so in that particular instance, yes, who's going to be there? But once you figured out who's going to be there, having that agenda distributed in advance. Uh, I had the opportunity a long time ago, one of my clients, uh, and this was an edict that came from the top down, they actually had a form that when you had a meeting, they wanted to be able to maintain the efficiency of everybody. And they got tired of everyone going, well, I got a meeting. And then we asked people, what are you doing in that meeting? And they go, nothing gets done in a meeting. And so they said, well, let's go ahead and try to learn to walk before we run. And let's come up with what they refer to as a PAL. It was a form, they put it on their computer, uh, but it start, stood for purpose, agenda, and time limit. And you had to put the purpose of what the purpose of the meeting was, then you had to list the agenda, what your key topics you were gonna talk, who was gonna talk about them, and then what was your time limit for that meeting. And it had to be distributed at least 48 hours in advance of the meeting, or if you got your pal and it wasn't 48 hours in advance, you don't have to go to the meeting. That's now, great. I always question that because if someone higher up on the food chain who had the authority over your position and you didn't attend their meeting, uh, I don't think you would do that. So, you got to think through the career limiting moves. Yes, but, but noble attempts, noble, noble attempts. attempts. But purpose, agenda, limit, go ahead and distribute it in advance. I think my most cinematic leadership moment was when a consultant, sorry, 
was assembled probably 15 people from my team, and we were five minutes in, and I just stood up and said, we are not ready for this meeting. Meeting's over, and walked out. I felt like I was in a movie, but I was 100% right. I think if that happened more, right. we'd probably have a lot fewer meetings and a lot sure. more relevant ones. So, uh, well, let's talk about meeting rules to live by, Lou. You know, this is, you know, it's rules feel constrictive, but why should we have rules around meetings? Yeah, well, rules like everything else, and I think I've said this uh, plenty of times, but, uh, you know, success has to be planned, and once you're there, you have to have the guidelines and the rules yeah. to, to follow. And, you know, there are the simple rules. We've all heard them before. It, you know, make one person talk at a time, no killer statements, uh, make sure you have time limits, you appoint a timekeeper, uh, make sure that you have a facilitator, make sure that you have a client uh, in the room that is responsible for the problem, uh, make sure that you've, you know, you've got your information readily available. Uh, those, yeah. those, those, those are some of the basic uh, rules of meetings, and I think we talk about them a lot. And again, we know that we should be doing it, but we don't do it. Oh, yeah. And I think there's an opportunity to kind of take those to the next level, too. I always like to th think of terms in, in my business around culture and engagement, mission and values, and do your meeting rules focus on those, and do they represent them? Um, you know, one of my favorite meeting rules we had at my last company was respectful cursing. And we can get into what respectful cursing is, but you know, that's, do you allow that in your meetings? Right. Or is that off, is that off the, the okay list? It is, you know, how do you handle when you leave the meeting? If you're a leadership team and you've gone through maybe a controversial topic, right. you know, and maybe 80, you're at 80% agreement, but well, we had a rule that said, when we walk out of this room, even if you were part of that 20%, we're hundred percent agreement because we have to present ourselves as united front to the team. And so I think there's other kind of next level rules to think about. They're saying, how are we, you know, the how of the meeting and that tie into who you are as a company. Yeah, and, and that's great in that situation. I think a lot of companies would be happy if they just started with the basic rules oh, yeah. that you read about in how-to books and things like that uh, and make them, part of, make them part of your meeting. In fact, when it comes to an agenda, I always tell people, if you attend a meeting without an agenda, ask, yeah. can we get an agenda? And chances are that person, even if they take two minutes and on a flip chart or on a whiteboard, they write down the topics that need to be covered to meet the objective, you've got an agenda in the meeting. Yeah. So it's little things like that that help with it. So effective facilitation. Um, once you get your people in the room, there's got to be a facilitator. There's got to be someone who's going to put the mortar between the bricks. Yeah. What, what have you found? Well, I think, you know, a big challenge is, you know, especially if you're doing, it depends a lot on the meetings. Is right. one if you're if it's a small meeting internal, you know, who is facilitating it? Make that decision. Who's running the meeting and when? And I think sometimes if you're doing bigger topics or emotional topics or long-term planning or different things like that, it may make sense to bring in someone who's kind of not emotionally engaged in the business and actually can help you kind of do that basic blocking and tackling of staying on time, staying on focus, mm -hmm. putting things off to the side that aren't part of, that aren't relevant to that topic, right. and take the emotion out of it. That's also a way to kind of help with facilitation. I don't know what are the rules you give to your clients. Well, one of the one of the particularly in coaching executives uh, is a lot of times if an executive you know you call a meeting because it's your problem, it's your decision that you need to make. Uh, I always tell people you shouldn't be the person in the front of the room with the marker standing in front of the group, oh, yeah. watching the agenda, watching the time and everything. Because if it's your problem, whether we like it or not you're biased about what solution or what decision needs to be made. Yeah. And chances are, if you're doing the facilitation, you're gonna only capture that information that you already agree with. Yeah. Where if you were to sit in the meeting as a client 
and let the group do their work with a facilitator who's not attached to yeah. the situation or maybe doesn't have any prejudices or biases, uh, you'll find that as you're listening, you're going to hear more about your problem and learn more about your problem or the situation than you would have if you were standing in the front of the room juggling all the balls and trying to be a facilitator. And so in many instances, I tell people, don't be the person in the front of the room with the marker that you're a problem. You've invited these people to help you solve your problem. Hmm. You want what their perspective is, but if you're in the front of the room, you're only going to hear what you want to hear because it coincides or supports what you believe the final answer should be. Where if you're sitting down, that can't happen. So you're eliminating that part uh, that could be detrimental to your problem solving. Are there pieces in that though where the leader, if they're in the audience, people want to be deferential to the leader, you know, how do that, what should they do about that? Well, in, in that particular instance, if you really want people's, I always say, introduce the meeting and then get your butt out of the meeting because you can apply a peer pressure, even if you don't say anything, you're sitting in that meeting, you can apply peer pressure just by being in that meeting that people may give input to the problem or the decision based on what they think you want to hear or how you want the problem to be solved. Right. And then come in at the end of the meeting for the last 15 minutes and get a recap, an update. Yeah. This way you let people discuss the problem and you avoid that situation of being biasing the group. Yeah. So that's fair. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. fair. Great. Yeah. Okay, so key takeaways for today. Uh, don't don't have me any more meetings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kill all meetings. Kill all meetings. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Uh, I, I see that meetings is it's one of those things that in an organization they're needed, but they're hated at the same time. We hate to go to another meeting. However, instead of complaining about the meeting, there are things you can do, whether you're the leader of a team or whether you're just a participant in the passenger seat in the meeting, that you can do to make sure that the meeting is incorporating some solid foundation, some rules yeah. to make sure it's effective and it's productive. Yeah. So if you're starting at nine o'clock, start at nine o'clock. If you end at 10 o'clock, end at 10 o'clock. People will know that when you say an hour, they know you mean an hour. So some of those rules are important, and if they're not in your organization, you need to make sure that they're there. Yeah, I think something else is, you know, I, I was used to kind of on the back of a napkin figure out how much a meeting cost. So, you know, I was sure. part of an organization where we made sure everybody who even remotely needed to be there was there because no one wanted to hurt feelings. You look around that table and calculate up the cost of that hour or two hour meeting, and it was astonishing. So I think a big piece is a lot of what you said, but also getting the right people at the table and really having having those rules of you know what is it we're trying to achieve here, and let's stay focused on what that's for. I think people would hate meetings a lot less if they were a lot more effective because they are necessary. Mm -hmm. But I think we could run them a lot better, and that's how you start going to the next level leadership. Yeah, yeah, without question. Okay, well, we hope you've enjoyed uh, our episode on meetings uh, at Q&A on Breakthrough Leadership. Uh, I'm Lou Quinto. And I'm Craig Anderson. If you like this particular video, go ahead and click on the like button down at the bottom, subscribe, and in the future, you'll know when a video is going to be coming out. So, have a great day.